Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Now, when we come to verse 26 of Luke 1, we find Gabriel coming to earth again with another birth announcement. But this time, he's not coming to an elderly priest who's in the temple burning incense on the altar. Instead, this birth announcement is made to a starry-eyed teenage girl who's preparing for the most exciting event in her life. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. One day in the tiny city of Nazareth, an angel appeared to a young woman named Mary. So why would God pick such an average and seemingly ordinary girl to be the mother of the Savior? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress reveals that Mary was not some random choice, but a true servant of God. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome to Pathway to Victory. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend with your family and friends. Today's program is especially exciting because we're turning the page on Thanksgiving and giving our complete attention to celebrating the Savior, Jesus Christ. Beginning today and up to Christmas Day, we're going to examine the miraculous events that shaped our Christian faith. Plus, we're going to express our joy together by singing and listening to our favorite songs of the season. That's not all. This is the first day I get to tell you about the brand new 2023 leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional. It's ready, and there's a copy waiting for you right now. You know, spending a few minutes every day in God's Word is one of the most important disciplines in the Christian life. The Bible is a lantern that lights our path. So to help guide you during the coming new year, I've written this devotional for you. There's a chapter for every single weekday in 2023. And it's my gift to you when you give a generous year-end gift to Pathway to Victory as part of the Light in the Darkness matching challenge that begins today. I'll say more later in the program, but right now, I want you to join me in the Worship Center at First Baptist Dallas. Our congregation loves to sing, and as one of our valued listeners, you're part of the family. So join with us right now as we raise our voices in praise.
Christmas is coming, and it's so good to anticipate the day with these familiar favorites. Now, let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, as we meet a remarkable girl that God used in a remarkable way. I've titled today's message, Mary, Mary, Quite Extraordinary. Throughout the history of the church, Christians have gone to one of two extremes when it comes to talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are some Christians who exalt Mary to a position that, quite frankly, is totally unbiblical. For example, there are some who have taught through the history of the church that Mary is a co-mediator, a go-between between God and man. For example, Pope Pius IX, who was Pope from 1846 to 1878, said, God has committed to Mary the treasury of all good things in order that everyone may know that through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and all salvation. For this is his will that we obtain everything through Mary. Later, Pope Leo XIII wrote, As no man goes to the Father but by the Son, so no one goes to the Christ except through his mother. And yet we know what the Word of God says. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one mediator, there is one go-between, between God and man, and it is the man, Christ Jesus. Others have taught the Immaculate Conception of Mary, 
And when we talk about the Immaculate Conception, that's not referring to Jesus. The doctrine of the Immaculate Conception refers to Mary, that just as Jesus was sinless, Mary was also sinless. But again, there's nothing in Scripture. Mary didn't even believe that about herself. As we'll see in a moment, she refers to God as her Savior. You don't need a Savior unless you're a sinner. Mary understood that. Still others talk about the perpetual virginity of marriage. It's the idea that not only was Mary a virgin when she gave birth to Christ, but she remained a virgin throughout her life. <laughs> the only problem with that is, among other passages, Matthew 13, 55, and 56, that tell us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not also with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? Jesus had brothers and sisters and there's all evidence that uh, they came about the old fashioned way. Mary and Joseph had children. There is no perpetual virginity of Mary. Now, in response to this unbiblical position about Mary, many others have gone to another extreme. Those of us who have Protestants have not wanted to lift up Mary and therefore put down Jesus. So instead of exalting Mary, we've gone to the opposite extreme and we've ignored Mary. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you heard a sermon about Mary, the mother of Jesus? When's the last time you read a book about Mary? So, so we just don't talk about Mary. We ignore her, and that is just as much an unbiblical position. When we come to Luke's gospel, this great doctor who's also a historian gives us a proper balance in understanding Mary. He neither deifies her nor does he ignore her. Instead, Luke paints Mary as somebody whose character should be admired and whose faith ought to be imitated. And that's what we're going to see today as we talk about this extraordinary girl that God used in an extraordinary way named Mary. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 26 with me. Now in the sixth month, you have to stop there. What do you mean six months? Well, remember, this is Elizabeth's story. Elizabeth, the uh, mother of John the Baptist, it was in the sixth month of her pregnancy that the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Look at verse 27. Gabriel came to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, when we think about Mary, we usually cast a young adult woman, maybe in her 20s or early 30s, to play the part of Mary. But that's really wrong. According to Jewish culture, Mary was probably 12 or 13 years of age. Joseph would have been probably 17 or 18 at this point in their story. And notice also Luke says that Mary was engaged. Now, that's the New American Standard translation, engaged. The King James says she was betrothed. Let me quickly explain to you three steps in the Jewish marriage process. There were three steps. Jot them down. First of all, there was the selection. The selection. 
And when the parents of a boy would find a girl they felt like was suitable and both sets of parents agreed, that was the selection that was made. And when they came of age, 13, 14, 15, that led to the second step, and that is the betrothal period. Now, the betrothal period probably best corresponds to what we call engagement. But betrothal was much more serious than an engagement. In the betrothal process, actually commitments were made, vows were exchanged. It was everything that a marriage was, except there was no sexual relationship. The betrothal period lasted about a year. The final stage, after about a year, was the marriage ceremony itself. Now, Mary and Joseph were in this betrothal period, and it's at that point that Gabriel comes to Mary with this remarkable announcement. Look at verse 28. And coming in, Gabriel said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. The Latin translation says, Hail, one who is full of grace. And that translation has led to a lot of confusion. Mary's full of grace. She's running over with grace. Therefore, that means she is the dispenser of grace to other people. No. It's simply saying God has had grace on you. He has favored you. He has chosen you for a special purpose. You are the recipient of God's grace. Now, Mary was very troubled when she saw this angel suddenly appear before her. Verse 29 says that she was greatly troubled, wondering what kind of announcement the angel was about to make. But notice what he says in verse 30, you have found favor with God, do not be afraid. Now, there's no inference, again, the fact that she found favor with God, that she was sinless. It was simply that God had chosen her for a special purpose. Gabriel begins to unveil what that purpose is, beginning in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The word name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Now, I'm sure Mary wondered a lot of things at this point. But who will this baby be who I'm to call Jesus. Gabriel follows with a five-fold description of this baby that was more exacting than any sonogram could have ever been. Because once Gabriel had finished, she had no doubt who this baby was. Notice this five-fold description beginning in verse 32. Number one, he will be great, Gabriel said. Your son is gonna be great. Now every mother thinks his son is great. But this is going to be beyond that. There's something special about him. Then he goes on, number two, to say he will be the son of the Most High. Number three, he will have the throne of David. This is an obvious reference to 2 Samuel 7, 16, in which God said to David, David, one of your descendants will be the Messiah who will sit on your throne. Verse 33, number four, he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. That's the operative word, forever. And then climactically, number five, his kingdom will have no end. This was a reference not just to the duration of his kingdom forever, but to the extent of his kingdom. This child of yours, Mary, is going to rule over the entirety of God's creation. Now that was the announcement. Mary was getting the picture who this baby was going to be. And so in verse 34, she responds with a logical question. 
And Mary said to Gabriel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Look at how he answers in verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Why was a virgin birth necessary? Is it really important whether or not Jesus was born of a virgin? Some say, oh, that's just a little extra mythology tacked onto the Jesus story. No, let me show you why a virgin birth was absolutely necessary. If somebody ever asks you, you can give them these four reasons. Number one, the virgin birth protects Christ's deity. Had Jesus been born of a human father, if Joseph had been the biological father of Jesus, Jesus would have inherited the curse and the corruption of Adam's sin. Remember, the sin nature and the guilt came through the Father, Romans 5.11. Just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death spread to all men. So the virgin birth protects Christ's deity. He could not have been God had he been uh, born of Joseph. Number two, the virgin birth preserves Christ's humanity. Some people say, well, why did we have to go through this whole Bethlehem thing? I mean, why not just put God on earth in the form of a, uh, a young adult male, let him go to Calvary and pay for our sins and do it that way. No, had he escaped the birth process, had he not really been totally human as well as human, totally divine, then we could not have a high priest who understood us. You know, Hebrews 4 verses 15 and 16, talking about Jesus says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who was tested in all points as we are and yet without sin. The fact that Jesus was born just like you and I are born, he lived the same kind of existence we did, means he understands everything you and I are going through. There's no heartache. There's no disappointment we experience that he has not experienced. And his humanity is preserved through a virgin birth. Number three, the virgin birth solves the problem of Jeconiah's curse. It solves the problem of Jeconiah's curse. Now, stay with me for the next three minutes. I've talked about this before at Christmas time, but I want to be sure you understand this. Hold your place here and turn over to Matthew chapter 1. For Jesus to be the Messiah, he had to be a descendant of David. 2 Samuel 7.16 says... The Messiah will be a descendant of David. And that's why Matthew, which was written to the Jews, showed that Jesus was in fact the Messiah because he met the qualification. He was a descendant of David. That's why you have that long genealogy, those begets that put us to sleep in our Bible reading. That's why it's in there in Matthew chapter one to show Jesus' connection to David. And so as you read through that uh, genealogy, you find you've got David, but underneath David, before Joseph and before Jesus, you find a man named Jeconiah. He was also known as Jehoiakim. He was the last king of Judah before Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, came and took uh, Israel captive for 70 years. This king, Jehoiakim, was so evil that God placed a curse on him. 
God was so mad at Jehoiakim that he not only allowed Judah to be taken captive, but he gave this curse. And let's skip down to Jeremiah 22, verse 30. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who will not prosper in his days, for no man of his descendants will prosper sitting on the throne of David or ruling again in Judah. God said, Here's the curse on Jehoiakim. Not one of his descendants will ever prosper on the throne of David. Well, that presents a big problem because if you've got David here and you've got Jehoiakim here, then it means nobody who's a descendant from that point on could ever be qualified to be the Messiah because they can't prosper on the throne. And yet the Bible says the Messiah, whoever he is, has to be a descendant of David. And for him down here to be a descendant of David up there, he has to pass through Jehoiakim. Well, how do you solve that naughty problem? You solve it through a virgin birth. Go on in Matthew 1, you find that Joseph was a descendant of Jehoiakim, so he couldn't be the Messiah. He was a descendant. And then Joseph, the father of Jesus. Now, here's my simple point. Had Joseph been the biological father of Jesus, Jesus would have inherited the curse of Jehoiakim. He would have inherited that curse. He could not have been the Messiah. But because he was not the biological son, Jesus escaped the curse. But by being the legal son of Joseph, which he was, Joseph was his legal guardian, he inherited the right to rule as being a descendant of David. That is an amazing thing. Only God could come up with a solution like that to cure the curse of Jehoiakim. The fourth reason a virgin birth is necessary is it fulfills prophecy. 700 years earlier, God had said through Isaiah the prophet that the Messiah would be virgin born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and shall bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And look at Mary's response. Verse 38, behold the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word and the angel departed from her. That word bond slave is the lowest kind of slave there is. In other words, Mary was saying, God, whatever you wanna do with my life, do it. I am yours, I'm here to serve you. Mary was willing to do whatever it costs to serve the living God, and her passion provides a model for us all. If you're looking for a way to cultivate greater passion for God, let me point you to the brand new Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. Nothing will stoke the fire of spiritual passion any brighter than spending time in God's Word. And I've written this leather-bound volume so that you and I can walk together in the new year. Let me describe how our year will unfold together. From January to February, you'll begin a spiritual fitness program using wisdom from the book of Hebrews. From March through May, you'll learn how to walk with God by faith in your everyday life by studying the life of Abraham. In the summer, you'll gain a biblical understanding of grace and discover the joy and freedom of living obediently. And in the fall and winter, you'll meditate on the parables of Jesus and you can be among the first to own this brand new 538-page devotional. It's yours today when you give a generous year-end gift to fuel the ministry of Pathway to Victory. 
And bear in mind that right now, because of the Light in the Darkness matching challenge that begins today, your gift to Pathway to Victory will automatically be doubled in size. Truly, there's never been a better time to leverage your giving, because every dollar you give becomes twice the size. And all these resources will go directly toward reaching more people with Pathway to Victory than ever before. May I count on you to respond today? Thank you so much in advance for your generosity. Now, here's David with all the details. Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you give a generous year-end gift to support this ministry, we'll send you a copy of the all-new leather-bound Pathway to Victory Daily Devotional for 2023. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or visit our website that's at ptv.org. And when your gift is $100 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, Celebrate the Savior, on CD and DVD. It features the most inspiring messages from Dr. Robert Jeffress on the events surrounding the birth of Christ. Plus, the included music CD features the very best Christmas music performances by the incredible First Baptist Choir and Orchestra. And with Giving Tuesday coming up tomorrow, we're asking you to prayerfully consider what you'd give to support Pathway to Victory. And because of our Light in the Darkness matching challenge, any gift you give will be doubled in impact. Call us toll-free at 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You know, a lot of our listeners prefer to write. Here's that address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again Tuesday for the conclusion of the message, Mary Mary, Quite Extraordinary, right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.